Hey, everybody. So at reInvent, there are two types of sessions that are my favorite. The first is when we hear about great customers and how they're using and getting value of all the great AWS services. The second one is about innovation. This session right now is about innovation. Introducing UltraWarm for the Amazon Elasticsearch service. Um, you may have heard Andy Jassy talk about this in his keynote. Um, it was really exciting for all of us. We're sitting back in a war room. We're launching the feature um, as in preview. Again, very exciting. But there's a couple things that we didn't hear Jassy go deep in. And that is, what do we build, but how do we build it? What's the innovation that's driving this? And he also didn't give a demo. And so what I'm excited about today is that we're going to do that. We're going to dive deep. We're going to do a demo, a live demo at that. Um, and so this is going to be really exciting. I'm Ian Swanson. Welcome. I'm the general manager of the Amazon Elasticsearch service. I'm going to be joined by Eli and Rama today. And again, we're going to talk about UltraWarm for the Amazon Elasticsearch service. How many of you have log data? Everybody has log data. Everybody in this audience is seeing that their data is growing. It's exploding. Those rates are accelerating, it seems like, every single day. In fact, machine-generated data is growing 10 times faster than business data. But logs themselves, they oftentimes feel like an impenetrable wall of text. Large data sets, not just terabytes, but petabytes in scale. Unstructured data. This is a combination of text and numbers and dynamic. It's constantly changing. And hidden in these logs is real business value. So your logs have information that provide critical insights in application performance, in security, resource use, and much, much more. Operational analytics. And operational analytics has been fueling the rapid adoption of open source Elasticsearch, Logstash, and Kibana, commonly referred to as everybody in this room, I'm sure knows as the Elk Stack. This is a powerful distributed search and analytics engine, yet running self-managed Elasticsearch can be challenging. So a few years back, we released the Amazon Elasticsearch service, a fully managed service that makes it easy to deploy, manage, scale Elasticsearch and Kibana. And there are many benefits of the Amazon Elasticsearch service. We support open source APIs and tools so that there's drop-in replacement with no need to learn new APIs or skills. It's easy to use. You could deploy a production-ready Elasticsearch cluster in just minutes. Scalable, you can resize a cluster with a few clicks or through a single API call. It's secure, so you can deploy into your VPC, restrict access using security groups and IAM policies. And it's highly available. You can even replicate across multiple availability zones. And, of course, for AWS, it's tightly integrated with other services. And today, across all industries, tens of thousands of customers are achieving great success with the Amazon Elasticsearch service. And still, every day, our team wakes up ideating, designing, and executing a product vision that will deliver even more value to our customers. 
Let's learn about that product vision from Eli Fisher, senior PM from the Amazon Elasticsearch Service. Join me on stage. Thanks, Ian. All right, let's dig into this. So as a product manager with a service team, I've had the pleasure of diving in with our customers to understand the challenges and the problems they face when doing log analytics with Amazon Elasticsearch Service. And in working with our customers, we've learned that there's one common problem that a lot of them face. And that is that storing data is expensive at scale. And because of this, customers are limiting the amount of data that they retain for analysis. And the reality is, when you limit the data that you retain, you miss out on valuable insights. So we took a step back, we talked to our customers to see maybe there's something they're doing to kind of work around this problem. And what we learned is that customers that are not just deleting their data are trying to use multiple tools. Now, the problem with using multiple tools is that you have different APIs, different visualization interfaces, and because of this, it's not an optimal configuration and creates complexity in managing all of your data. So we took a step back and we looked at the Elasticsearch ecosystem to see if there was some sort of solution out there that would help customers be able to manage their costs. And what we found was that Elasticsearch supports a well-known hot warm architecture. Now with this architecture, what you would see is for your hot tier, you'd have something like compute memory optimized instances, maybe using R5s. And on the warm tier, you'd make an explicit price performance trade-off by moving your data that's less frequently accessed into a storage dense instance that is backed by HDDs, maybe something like D2s. Now, the problem with this approach is that traditional hot warm tiering is bound by the same Elasticsearch architecture that the hot tier has. So when looking at your warm data that you can actually store in a warm node, what you end up having to do is over-provision a lot of infrastructure. And because of this over-provisioning, you miss out on uh, getting the full cost benefits that you'd want out of a warm tier. And when I talk about over-provisioning, what I'm referring to is the notion of Elasticsearch replicas immediately cutting the amount of storage that you can use in half. I'm also talking about the overhead of the operating system and file system that is associated with your local nodes. And then on top of that, if you want to have a highly available uh, configuration, if a node fails, you need to have enough space for shards to rebalance across the remaining nodes. So you have to leave a bunch of empty space on your warm nodes, which is causing you know, the cost benefits instead of to be fully realized, only marginal. Now, because of this, we thought current solutions are falling short of our customer needs. And we took a step back and we asked ourselves, how could we do this better? How could we leverage a cloud-based architecture? So what we ended up building is UltraWarm for Amazon Elasticsearch Service. UltraWarm is a new storage tier. It's designed to allow you to store massive amounts of log data so that you can retain data not for days, but for months and years. It's designed so that you can run interactive log analytics, so you get the performance needed to do Kibana dashboarding and root cause analysis queries like you're used to. UltraWarm is also designed to be more durable and more performant than traditional warm tiers. 
And it does all of this while achieving an up to 90% cost savings in price per GB when comparing to the existing Amazon Elasticsearch service hot tier. So in terms of architecture, what this looks like in the context of the service is before UltraWorm, you've got your dedicated master nodes. They're used for managing cluster state. You've got your data nodes where you're storing your data, they're processing queries. And with UltraWorm, what we've added is a new node type. And with this node type, you can move data from your data nodes to your UltraWorm nodes and make that explicit price performance trade-off uh, to save on costs. Now, what's different about UltraWorm than traditional Warm tiers is that UltraWorm durably backs data to S3, which does a couple of things. One, you're leveraging the economics of S3. Two, because S3 has 11 nines of durability, you're removing the need for, local, or for the Elasticsearch, uh, Elasticsearch level replicas in your nodes. S3 is taking care of that for you. The other thing is that because data is on S3 and not on the local uh, nodes themselves, you're not actually bound by the storage of those nodes, which allows you to realize 100% of the advertised storage. So how would a customer use this? Let's take a logging example. So let's say you're indexing a terabyte a day and you are retaining that for seven days. Well, what you need to do for hot is you need to over-provision. You need to over-provision probably close to 18.4 terabytes of infrastructure and you might end up using five i3 large nodes. And the reason you're over-provisioning, like I said before, is you've got to account for replicas and all of the overhead that we talked about. Now with UltraWarm, let's say you want to expand to have a, an additional 60 days of retention in Warm. All you'd need is 60 terabytes of UltraWarm storage because UltraWarm allows you to, one, 100% utilize all of the storage you provision, and two, all of the overhead is built in, so you don't have to worry about over-provisioning on infrastructure. With UltraWarm, this would only be three UltraWarm large nodes. Now, I'm sure you're all wondering, okay, this sounds great, but what does it actually look like in action? Well, I'm really excited to introduce Rama. He's our principal engineer on the project. Rama has played a key role in the design and the development of UltraWarm. And today, Rama's gonna walk us through how customers would use UltraWarm. Thanks, Eli. Uh, we have been thinking about this uh, customer pain points for a long time. I'm really excited to be here today and talk about, dive deep and talk about all the innovation that has gone into building this uh, UltraWarm tier. Awesome, let's get started. So, Rama, how would a customer get started with UltraWarm? So, for the customers, uh, they go to our existing uh, console that they are used to to create a domain. I'm not going to show you how uh, we are going to do it on a live demo here. Um, so you go to the console um, that you are used to uh, creating the cluster. Um, so, okay. Sorry about that. Well, it looks like the demo guards aren't in our favor. Um. Okay, here we have screen. Well, while Rama's getting this set up, let's talk about uh, why you know UltraWorm um, 
like dig into that example I was talking about before and why UltraWorm enables some of the things that Jassy talked about in the keynote. So one of the things that Jassy talked about was being able to realize far more storage. And so when you think about the traditional Elasticsearch architecture, when you're provisioning something like, let's say, 900 terabytes, you're only getting around 300, 350 of that terabytes for your raw data. Now with UltraWorm, when you're provisioning 900 terabytes, you're actually getting that 900 terabytes that you provision. And so you're getting far more information stored in your logs or in the Elasticsearch uh, service than you'd normally get. All right, looks uh, okay. like we got this one. Looks like uh, we finally have this set up. So here's the console that we have uh, to create uh, uh, Elasticsearch domains. So like existing Elasticsearch domains, you would just go to the console. And there's a button here which says create a new domain. So you just go ahead and press that. Um, here, uh, we added a new deployment type, uh, which is uh, ultra warm in preview. So you would just select that, and uh, it selects the right uh, elastic version that it's uh, going to work on. And then uh, you go to the next one to set the configuration for the domain. Um, so on the top, uh, you would select a name for your Elasticsearch domain. And then uh, you would configure your hot uh, data nodes like you would do today. Um, so it gives you options for multi-AZ and the node types. And then you would select the uh, storage type that you want to have for the hot cluster and, and the master node configuration after, after that. And below that is where we added uh, a new section for ultra-warm data nodes, uh, where uh, you could uh, you would just go and enable ultra-warm data nodes if, if you want to try this out. And then it gives you two options here for selecting the instance types for ultra-warm nodes. The first one is ultra-warm.medium, uh, which uh, gives you ability to uh, address 1.5 terabytes of data in S3. And the second one is uh, ultra-warm1.large, which gives you a single node can address up to 20 uh, terabytes of data. And then you could select the number of uh, warm data nodes that you would need uh, for your ultra-warm storage. Um, and after that, uh, you have the same uh, configuration that you would set for your hot cluster. So you would just go ahead and set encryption and everything else. And then you would uh, hit create. And then it will just create a cluster. Interesting. I mean, it really looks like the create flow barely changed. Is it really just as simple as adding ultra warm nodes to your cluster? Um, yes, it's uh, as simple as that. Uh, and uh, we also added some monitoring dashboards uh, to it, uh, uh, like our hot cluster. So I'm going yeah, to let's just, take a look. Yeah, so I'm just going to go here. Hey, here's the cluster I already created. So I would just uh, get in there. So in the overview section, uh, we added a section for ultra warm, uh, which is. Uh, uh, here, uh, where it uh, talks about the instance type, uh, the number of nodes that you selected, and the total addressable storage that you have uh, in S3. Um, and then uh, in the cluster health, uh, like uh, so here it gives you the cluster health, overall health of your cluster, including the hot and uh, warm. And if you go down, uh, it gives you the key performance uh, metrics uh, for your cluster. And then uh, it gives you health dashboards for master instance types. And then the hot data nodes, uh, where data instances mean hot data nodes here. And below that, uh, we created new dashboards for ultra warm here. 
Um, so here uh, we have a few dashboards uh, like CPU utilization, JVM pressure, memory and storage utilization uh, to, uh, to monitor your ultra-warm cluster. And based on this, you can size up uh, your cluster or size down uh, depending on your needs. Well, it looks easy to create and monitor with UltraWarm, but our customers use Amazon Elasticsearch service for its interactive log analytics capabilities. So the big question is, what does this look like in Kibana? So, uh, so UltraWarm enables you to run queries uh, seamlessly across your hot and warm within Kibana. So today we are going to show a demo uh, to how to run queries uh, in your dashboards for both uh, warm and hot. Awesome. What kind of uh, analysis are we going to start with? Um, so here uh, we created a cluster which has uh, a lot of data in it. As we go through the demo, you would see it. Uh, but uh, let me start off by uh, just running a query, uh, which gives me the total number of docs in the cluster. So here I have a pre-created dashboard. I'm going to run it live. And this is running a query, uh, which aggregates the number of, total number of documents in the cluster in Kibana. As you can see, uh, there, there are about 5 trillion documents in this cluster right now, which includes wow. both hot and warm. Five trillion documents is a lot of documents. How much raw data is that? Um, that is about 1.2 petabytes of data, um, consisting of both hot and warm. Um, it's mostly warm, and we, have, uh, we keep uh, about 14 days of hot data, and the rest is warm. So how much of that is in warm? Okay, let me run a query and then show you how, how much data we have in warm here. Uh, for that, uh, we created a dashboard here, which uh, runs the query uh, and figures out the documents and then groups by by the month. So as you can see here, we have six months of logs, okay? And uh, each month has about 900 billion documents. Um, and five of months have close to 900 billion, and the last, uh, the sixth month has about four, 400 billion. So it's pretty close to 5 billion. So most of our data is in warm. Wow. I mean, looking at this experience, it looks like the standard Kibana dashboard experience. Are we doing anything special with Kibana here? We, don't, we are not doing anything special. So you are just getting, you're just going to run your queries like you would do for uh, hot and warm. And uh, in this case, uh, we, are, uh, we are just running the queries from the dashboard to uh, uh, to do analysis. Uh, today, we are going to run, um, do some analysis on finding internal server errors uh, in our warm data set. And we are going to go back a few months so that uh, we are going to query the warm data set. We are going to query a week worth of data to see how, to see the trend in our internal server errors. Awesome. Let's check it out. Okay. Let me just uh, go to the dashboard uh, where we created, as you may be aware of, uh, people use discover uh, tab to discover the errors. So here we are just running this query um, uh, to filter 500 errors. And as you can see, we are filtering the 500 errors here. And then it's just uh, counting the number of documents, which gives you the number of 500 errors uh, that are happening uh, uh, over three hours, grouped by by three hours. I'm going to group it by hourly to see the trend here. So there you go. You have uh, the number of 500 errors that we see. Um, so we are looking at one week's worth of data in September, which is in warm. So you can, it's as simple as just going and selecting the time range that you want to select 
in WAMP and just running the query. That's awesome. It does look like there's something interesting going on. Do you see those spikes? Um, that's, a, uh, that, that's an interesting observation. I do see spikes, and we have periodic spikes here. So what I'm going to do is uh, let's zoom in and figure out what's going on here. So I'm going to select a day here, let's say the 10th of September, and uh, I'm going to just zoom in uh, to see what's going on here. So I'm just uh, zooming in here on the warm data. And then, as you can see, the time changed as I zoomed in, pinched and zoomed. And uh, as Eli, you rightly observed, there seems to be a jump around 2,100 from 33,500 errors to 76,000. There's a f about 40K increase. And then it stays there for the next four hours before coming back to the normal. Well, that's a pretty big spike. Can we see what caused those errors? Yes, uh, of course, we could do that. And since uh, these are requests are coming from different clients, what we could do is uh, take the same query and group by by the client IDs and then see how different clients are contributing to these 500 errors. So I'm just going to go and run the query here. Um, so uh, we have a visualization that's already created uh, for grouping by, but uh, which runs the query live here. So it's running the query and grouping by by the clients. There you go. Uh, so, so, for the, uh, so since we are looking the second week of September, and it ran the query, and then it's generated the stack graph where each color represents a different client, and the y-axis gives you the 500 errors generated by each client. Interesting. I'm seeing a lot of spike caused by this red client. Could we dive in and see what's going on? You're right. Uh, uh, you can see there is periodic uh, spike in red clients, like or similar to, uh, to for the total number of uh, 500 errors. So I would dive deep uh, around 10th of September, like I did for the total uh, errors uh, grouped by by the client, and then see what's going on here. So I'm just going to zoom in. As you can see, uh, as you rightly pointed out, uh, that there is a spike in the red client here. And the spike happens exactly around 2100 when the total count went up. And furthermore, you could see that this, this, the range of the spike is about 40,000. Uh, and then it remains there for next four hours, interestingly. And if you go back and check, which uh, uh, correlates uh, with our uh, 500 errors here, um, so for four hours, uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm just trying to. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can see the spike right there. Yeah, so the, the, uh, the 2100 spike yeah. with the 2x, and then it stays uh, for next four hours, and then it comes down. Interesting, interesting. So it looks like the red client was the one causing the actual problems. Yes, uh, we just, uh, as you can see, there is a correlation between, uh, between the total errors and when we group by by the client. So it's the red client that caused errors. Wow. I mean, what we just did is we interactively dove in and root caused an issue in our warm data set. That's really, really powerful. Let me take a step back and explain what we just did. So first, we showed that UltraWarm supports the massive scale that's needed so that you can retain months and years of data. Then we showed that UltraWarm seamlessly integrates with your existing Amazon Elasticsearch service so you don't have to change the tools or APIs that you're used to using. 
We also showed that UltraWarm supports the interactive analytics and root cause analysis experience that you're used to. And it does all of this while offering an up to 90% savings in price per GB when compared to our hot tier. So Rama, how does UltraWarm enable these amazing capabilities for our customer? There has been a lot of uh, exciting innovation that has gone into building this uh, UltraWarm storage tier. Um, and uh, I'll now dive deep and uh, talk about uh, all the innovation that has gone into building this UltraWarm uh, storage tier. Um, so when we started this project, uh, we went to our customers and asked their pain points, and uh, it was loud and clear. So the main um, uh, the, uh, the architecture of UltraWarm is defined by the three key requirements uh, that we heard from our customers. The first one is, uh, uh, is the cost. So we heard from our customers that the logs are increasing at an exponential rate. They want to reduce the cost. So what we said is we, did, uh, we wanted to build something that's not just incremental, but that provides significant cost reduction, more specifically up to 90%, which is one-tenth the cost that our customers pay today in Amazon Elasticsearch hot tier. So that was our first requirement. The second requirement was we wanted to enable our customers to retain their logs longer, much longer than what they do today. Um, unfortunately, uh, since they, they have a fixed budget, currently they just go and delete uh, old data. Instead, we wanted to keep, uh, enable them to keep their logs for months and even years, which means that we wanted to build a log analytics system uh, that uh, scales to multiple petabytes of data. And the third and important requirement uh, that we have wanted to have uh, was to provide this interactive and integrated experience that we just demonstrated and provide these benefits uh, transparently to our customers um, we, so that they don't have to change anything uh, in their setup and yet get all this cost and scale benefits uh, here. So given these requirements, uh, which are somewhat odds with each other if you look at the cost reduction and scale and interactive experience, they are at odds with each other. And then given the stringent requirements, we went and looked at uh, all the solutions that are out there. And we found that none of them solved all three problems. So we went to the whiteboard and we said, OK, we'll start from the scratch and we will think rethink about this architecture, and uh, we came up with this uh, architecture that is optimized for the cloud that meets all three requirements. Um, specifically, I want to highlight two architectural changes that we made at the high level that enabled us to provide all three benefits. First is uh, we, we have both hot and warm tiers uh, logically uh, present in the same cluster so that you could do uh, seamless uh, and interactive uh, analytics on both hot and warm indices without having to uh, uh, go out of, uh, uh, without changing your applications. Um, but uh, physically, we decoupled them so that you could get the cost benefits of the warm storage tier and optimize this warm storage tier independent of the hot tier. So you could use your hot tier for indexing, querying, and storing recently indexed data or frequently modified data, but, and, but use the warm tier for uh, rotating infrequently accessed uh, data that is, uh, or older data that you would like to have. 
So that's our first key architectural change. The second is, uh, the, is we decouple ultra-warm compute nodes from the storage. What this enables us is that now we store data in S3, getting all the scale and the cost benefits of S3. And by decoupling compute, warm compute from warm storage, now we, we could innovate at all levels of the stack in the warm compute to provide this interactive experience. So you get your interactive experience along with the cost reduction that you would like, uh, that you would get from storing in S3. So I'm going to dive deep into each of these sections now and talk about what went into uh, making this possible. So first, I'd I, I like to talk about S3, um, the storage. So we store our data durably in S3. So that gives us three benefits. First, you get 11 nines of durability that S3 provides, which is awesome. And the second is we get all the economies of scale the, and the cost effectiveness of S3 per gigabyte that we store in S3. So it, it helps us reduce our cost by a tenth that we were showing. And third is uh, we can scale our storage to multiple petabytes easily by storing in S3. So uh, provisioning is easy. Um, what this architectural change enables us is that we could eliminate replicas in our warm tier. Given that it's durably stored in S3, we can always fetch the data from S3 when we need. So you are not paying any replica cost there. And second, you don't have to maintain snapshots for your warm. It comes for free because it's already in S3. You, do not, you don't have to take any snapshot there. So that's another added benefit here. And the third important point here is uh, we provide 100% utilization of advertised storage in S3. What this means is you don't have to provision anything more for file system overheads, for replicas, or for failovers. So you get full 100% utilization of storage and compute resources. And more importantly, you pay for the storage that you use in S3. So you don't get charged until you rotate your indices into warm for just having, uh, having an ultra-warm provision, we, it doesn't charge, it, it will charge you as soon as you start rotating your indices. So that's on the storage. But storage is just one side of the equation, right? And the other important aspects of this equation is performance. And this is where we had to think long and deep so that we provide interactive experience that our customers enjoy today uh, in HOT. So what we went and looked at uh, this problem and looked at the design space, and we said in order to do this, we had to innovate at all levels of the stack. First at the hardware and the operating system level, our ultra-warm nodes leverage a nitro system and use S3 bandwidth to fetch data from uh, S3. What this means is that the network bandwidth that we get from S3 is similar or better than the sequential read bandwidth that you get from lo locally attached storage, uh, hard disk drive based storage such as D2, which means that it doesn't matter whether you store locally or remotely for throughput bound queries when you're fetching a lot of data. So 
This helps in, uh, as I'm going to talk later on the performance, improving performance compared to locally attached uh, warm instance types, traditional warm instance types. Um, that is, uh, that is on, on the hardware side. But as you know, uh, we store data in S3. So we had to look at uh, all levels of the software stack as well to make sure that uh, uh, we perform well even for uh, non-throughput bound queries such as latency bound queries where you access not as much amount of data, right? For that, what we did is uh, we have uh, caching in, in the warm compute tier. Warm compute tier acts as a stateless cache and compute tier where we store important data and metadata. So when you hit uh, the data that is already in there, so your performance is similar to hot, when you mess in the cache, we use metadata to fetch only the necessary data. We avoid unnecessary uh, downloads of data. So that's first. Second, when we miss in the local cache and when we have to go to S3 and fetch data, as you may have observed, the latencies to S3 is more than the latencies on local disk seek latencies. So uh, we, we implemented a, a bunch of optimizations in the storage and query optimization layer uh, to hide uh, these latencies. First of which is the uh, prefetching uh, that we do. So what we do in our query execution is we try to prefetch as much as uh, as much of data and as early as possible to hide latencies to S3. So we innovated uh, in the uh, Elasticsearch and uh, all levels of the stack for for this optimization. Uh, and then uh, the important aspects, the, which I'm not going to go in depth, is we implemented several optimizations to run queries at this multi-petabyte scale. So you have looked at the demo today in order to make that possible, and also to make the data available. So S3 gives you durability, but for that to be available in Worm, we had to also innovate on how we bring that data quickly when a node fails. So all of this is done transparently to the user. They don't, they don't know whether the queries are touching the S3 data or local data, so our storage layer transparently fetches the needed data from S3 or local. Uh, furthermore, when we fetch from S3, we, do, we fetch it at a granular fashion, uh, at fine granularity, so that there is no read amplification. Uh, to summarize what this amounts, all of this innovation amounts to in performance, I have a few numbers here that I would like to share. First, for the queries that hit the local data, you, you run like hot, so that's good. But there will always be some queries where you will mess in, in the cache and you have to go to, uh, go to S3. For uncached queries uh, and throughput bound queries that touch a lot of data across many days and many indices, we are 2x better than traditional hardware disk drive based warm instances. So that's 2x improvement apart from the cost reduction that we provide, which is uh, great. And that is for the throughput bound queries. And then we have narrow queries which touch small amounts of data. So we wanted to measure how we do for narrow queries and latency bound queries. And even for those, for our workloads, what we have just, uh, we still can finish in single digit seconds. So providing you the interactive experience that you would like to have. 
Now I'm going to uh, call, invite uh, Eli back here on, uh, to talk about all, what this innovations means to the customers. Thanks, Eli. Thanks, Rama. Yeah, so what does this mean for our customers? Well, what this means, what uh, all these performance optimizations really are designed so that you can use the existing Kibana and Elasticsearch experience that you're used to. We built UltraWarm to be a seamless extension of the service so that you don't need to change any of the APIs, the tools that you're used to using. In building it as part of the service, we also built it so that you can query your hot and your warm data all from the same endpoint, so you don't need to think about where your data is in its life cycle. The other aspect is that UltraWarm provides the interactive experience that you need for doing forensic analysis in dashboarding and analytics with Elasticsearch. In terms of costs, when comparing UltraWarm to our existing Amazon Elasticsearch service hot tier, you get an up to 90% cost savings in price per GB. In fact, UltraWarm is the most cost-effective warm-based storage tier for Elasticsearch that is available in the ecosystem. All of, this is all of this is aimed to enable you to keep data accessible in Elasticsearch and Kibana, not for days, but for months and years. Thanks, Eli. Let's give a round of applause for Eli and Rama. So again, I, I said my favorite sessions are the one that talks about innovation. Um, what you saw today and what was really cool was a, a real demo. There was no magic behind the scenes. Um, the magic, if, if you were to call it one, was the innovation, you know, and that was what was ultra warm. Uh, we were able to show massive scale you know, in, the, in that demo. We were, I think it was 1.2 petabytes, 5 trillion you know, logs of information. We can get up to 3 petabytes scale. I mean, now we're talking big data. We can also run interactive log analytics and visualization through Gabbana. Seamless, like how you used to. That was super quick, what they were able to show in that demo. Really exciting. And then higher performance and durability, backed by S3, 11.9s, and all of that you can do while achieving 90% cost savings. The team worked incredibly hard with ultimate drive to deliver more value to our customers. I really want to thank not only Rama and Eli, but the entire team at the Amazon Elasticsearch service for UltraWarm. And we're really excited for you to start to use UltraWarm today in preview. It's not gated. You can go there. You can start using it right now. And we're really excited to see what you can do with UltraWarm, a new storage tier for the Amazon Elasticsearch service. Thank you. Appreciate it.